When was the last time you made a decision? Was it a moment ago whether to take communion or not? Was it earlier when you chose your seat? For some of you, that wasn't a decision because you always sit in the same spot. That's tradition. That's not a decision. I guess it would be a decision if you chose to decide to follow tradition. But I pretty much can throw a stone at you and know where throw a stone in a certain direction and know it probably hits you because that's where you sit. So I kind of take attendance as I look out into the crowd. If you're joining us today online, we're glad you're here. Happy New Year to you. I I miss you. I love you. And we're glad that you're with us. We're starting a brand new series called Wiser Decisions, Better Life. I thought it was a better title than Foolish Decisions, Bad Life. I thought, you know, just look at the different ways. That, that you can look at decisions. And you all are here as a result of your decisions. And if you really, really think about decisions, we have no idea who is ultimately impacted by the decisions we make. Think about it. Your decisions have a ripple effect. They make an awake and they determine your outcome. You are here because of your decisions. Think about this. This is blowing your mind. What if George Washington had decided to allow Congress to make him king, the supreme ruler, and they would have put a crown on his head? We would have had our own royalty. We wouldn't have to watch English royalty. And it would have had a ripple effect throughout our whole country in our history. Can you imagine the decisions that your ancestors made that affect you today. And maybe even your very existence was dependent on a decision that they had made. And some of you are from the perspective is, it's my life, my decisions... My personal decisions are my decisions, and I can do kind of what I want. And we've got to realize something, that private decisions always have public outcomes. Some private decisions that may have impacted your life, and I'm just making these up, that maybe your father had a drinking problem and he chose drinking rather than staying in your family, and it destroyed your family. Or your mom cheated on your dad and she left and it had a significant impact on, on your family. Or just reverse, your dad chose to stop drinking and it saved your family and decided to come to church. Or your mom decided not to leave and they rebuilt the marriage and they're making, made a difference in your life and in future generations. All of those things are decisions. Your decisions, private decisions, have public outcomes. And your personal decisions will affect other people. If you have children, you know this to be true. If you're a parent, you know this to be true. Your 
personal decisions affect others. The what you do, the way you are, they look like you, act like you, talk like you, say the same things, and there are times where they get in trouble for them at school. What was appropriate at home, what you were trying to teach was related at school, and they got in trouble for it. You didn't intend that to happen, but your personal decision affected others. And I've said this before, if you're a parent, I've been a parent, I'm I'm still a parent and a grandparent, let me clarify that. As a parent, the most significant thing you do may not be something you do, it may be someone that you raise. You ever thought about that? It may not be the job, it may not be the career, it may not be the profession, but it may be the child that you raise that makes the difference. Your legacy. And kind of the big idea for this whole series is this. Your decisions determine the direction and the quality of your life. Your decisions. Your decisions write your story. Your decisions write your legacy. Your decisions, your choices are why you have what you have and who you are. It's your character, because you've made decisions. But if before you react to this, you, you know that there are other decisions that other people made that have impacted your life, just like I've said before. It isn't just your decisions that landed you where you are today. You are where you are because of the decisions other people have made as well. Isn't that right? But that's not an excuse. Now, I know many victims. Uh, Have you known people that weren't responsible for anything in their lives? That they're victims. They they have this victim idea down pat. They've never been responsible for anything in their life. They've got an excuse for everything. And everything that ever happened to them is somebody else's fault. Folks, that's irresponsible living. That's not wise decision-making. You are responsible. And the decisions that other people made that have impacted your life, you have the right to decide to respond to their decision in an appropriate way to make a wise choice. Because your responses or your reactions are, are decisions. So you are responsible. Now, people don't like that when I tell them that, and that's why I'm not a counselor. Because your responses or reactions are a decision. Now, I like texting for one reason. And I, I would not use texting. In fact, I had a conversation this last week that began with a text, and I said, I'm not doing this over a text. I will meet with you and look to, with, look to you face-to-face, eye-to-eye, voice-to-voice, because this is too important to talk on a text. But I like texting because somebody will text me, and they'll be upset, and, and my first reaction is to text back and tell them what I really think. Ever done that? And then erase it all because I'm thinking... That's not appropriate. I am not in the right frame of mind. I am not. I haven't taken a breath 
yet, and I will be judged by this response. And it's inappropriate. And so I'll delete it all, and then I'll wait until I think I have an appropriate response. I like that in email. Never send via text or email anything that you have to regret. Always make sure that you write that, and you might have to tear it up or a letter. Don't put it in writing. At, at the minimum, verbalize it, but don't write it down. Because what you write down can and will be used against you. I know for a fact. I have rarely had to apologize for a response, a thought-out, appropriately measured response. But I almost always have to apologize for a reaction. Isn't that true for you? Isn't that true for you? Reactions are in the immediate. Responses are thought out and appropriate. Deciding to react actually sets us up to be a reflection of the people that we despise. If you want to look like your enemies, what should you do? React. If you want people to treat you as you are foolish, then react rather than respond. But your response will bring credibility, it will show character, and it will build and help build relationships. Now, your responses won't make everybody happy. I know that for sure. But if they're thought out and carefully planned, a good response makes a difference. Never... Never underestimate the power of a measured response. And like I said, if you pause long enough, if you pause long enough, the pause will create the margin you need to respond rather than react. If you want to react, just shut your mouth and walk away. In in my in our marriage, there have been times where we've had discussions, and I've had to say, at this point in time, I don't think I can say anything that will help this situation. In fact, anything I say beyond this point will get me into more trouble, and I will regret it. Have you ever been in that moment? And I've just got to walk away. Let's revisit it, this maybe when we're more calm, more rested, less reactionary, less emotional. And you might be thinking, well, Chris, this is kind of negative. This is kind of super practical, but it's kind of hard to talk about this stuff. I want to be positive, and I want to, want to start this new year right. And, and folks, I, I love you, and I care about you, and I, you are family to me. But have you ever watched family members just head the wrong direction? And you know that the way they are heading is going to lead to destruction and harm and consequences, not only for them, but those that surround them. And and you think only if they could see from your perspective what was going on. 
See, wiser decisions make a better life with fewer regrets. And, and for you that don't like your current story, then I want to encourage you that you have the opportunity to decide your life in a different direction. It's like taking the pen of your life that you're writing in a book, your memoir, if you will, or your autobiography, and you can write a new life. This series is designed for, for you. It's practical. It's relevant. I think it's important. It's significant. It could affect future generations. Now, I'm the old man on staff. You know that? Mark's a little older than me, but I'm the, the old senior minister now. I started out as a young youth pastor that didn't know anything. Believe it or not, years and years ago, I was that guy. That was a pretty great life. But now I'm the old, one of the old men on, on, the, on the staff. And so every once in a while, I'll say to our younger guys, I'll say while they're parenting, I'll say, you know, it's every parent's life to screw up their child's life. Just want to encourage you. And they take that personally. They do. They do. I've had them ask me, say, well, Chris, you just assume you're going to screw, we're going to screw up our children's life. And, I, and I, I just try to encourage them. I said, well, I did it. You're going to do it. And your kids are going to screw up their kids' life. No matter how hard you try, the best you can do is your best. And, and kids have this way of going their own way and frustrating you at times. Especially in those teenage years, it gets a little bit difficult. Now, I don't think adult people, extended family, were designed to live together under the same roof because there are conflicts that just naturally are going to happen because certain people see certain things certain ways and do certain things certain ways. And that's why after the holidays you can go, thank God it's over. (laughs) That's where we are right now, aren't we? Some of you are. Now, let me just share with you what I think the best parenting model is you're raising children is basically asking good questions. Helping your kids ask good questions. Is it wise? Are they Christian? Is this what God would have you do? Is it moral? Is it right? Will it harm yourself? Will it harm others? Is it lethal? Those are questions that as parents we ask and we try to direct our children. Heard those Stray cats down that narrow way. And it doesn't always work. And the question is like, what would I, what would you do if I wasn't here to tell you what to do? And they're thinking, well, exactly the opposite because it looked more fun, mom and dad. Or what do you think is the wise thing to do? And they don't care about the wise thing. They want to do the fun thing right now. And you as a parent have to be the bad guy and say, over my dead body at times. No, you're not going to do that. No, you're not going with that person. No, this is when you're going to have to be in. No, you can't take that trip. That's hard. Parents need to be more interested in teaching how to make good decisions to their children to make a difference in their lives. And this series is going to help you create some questions to ask to help them along their way. Because 
there is a connection between well-placed, appropriately timed, thought-provoking questions and good decision-making. Let me read that again. There is a connection between well-placed, appropriately timed, thought-provoking questions and good decision-making. Are you asking good questions? When you see a friend or a coworker going down the wrong road, do you ask them good questions? Hey, have you thought about this? I'm not trying to pry, I'm not trying to judge, but have you considered this? As you make this financial decision or buy this new car, this new house in an overpriced market, are you going to be upside down? Is that a good decision? If you care about people, you'll ask some questions. Now, being questioned is no fun, especially if you're focused and you're going to make that decision no matter what. Then those questions sound like you're being questioned, and that's not the point. We might need to stop and pause and to reflect because good questions always lead to better decisions, and better, wiser decisions lead to a better life and a better life story. Again, our decisions write our life story. That is why on the backside of a bad decision, it's not unusual for someone to say, I think I should have asked more questions. We all know someone who's been locked into a subscription for a long period of time, four or five years. It might be a security system. It might be a fitness deal. It might be a correspondence course or an online course. And you're still making payments even after you've quit using the equipment or the the material or the content. But if somebody would have stopped and said, hey, what does the fine print say? How long are you locked into this decision or this, this subscription? It might have helped. Now, if you're a counselor or have a counseling background, great counselors know this. They know that all of us are more likely to follow the decision we make than the decisions other people prescribe or make for us. And so that's why good counselors throw this trail of breadcrumbs in front of their counselees, their clients, to help them, to guide them to make decisions because they know if they would just say what they needed to hear, then they wouldn't follow it because that was their advice. And, and they know that the advice that you will take is the advice that you give yourself. And so you've got to make that decision yourself. So they leave these breadcrumbs of good questions to guide you in the right direction. And then you have that aha moment, and you think you figured it out yourself, and all the while your counselor is looking at his clock and, and going, finally, they get it. This is what they need to do. Because once you have that aha moment, once you see it, you can't unsee it because you've seen it. Does that make sense? And then there's that uncomfortableness, that discomfort that occurs when you know what you know that you ought to do and you don't want to do it. So what if you had all the questions ahead of time, like the cheat sheet for a test? 
That's what this series is all about, is to give you the questions that you need to ask to add to the grid of your decision-making set of questions that you already use. Did you know you had a set of questions that you already use that you don't even realize that they're in your conscious, but you don't know that you ask? Because every time you make a decision, you unconsciously ask some questions. And most of them go kind of like this, I will say, and this is just a generalization, so please don't take this personally. Questions like, will I enjoy this? Will this hurt me? Will this hurt someone else? Will anyone find out? If you're asking that question, that's a concern. What's my out if someone finds out? What's my excuse? How can I not take responsibility for this decision? Now, all of you are sitting here right now, and you're saying, Chris has spoke about 20 minutes, and he's not used one scripture, and I'm really uncomfortable right now because he should use scripture when he preaches. And I think you're absolutely right. Now, I'm only going to use one verse today, but it's a heavy assignment. This is going to be hard. Now, some of you are going to make some decisions right now. The decision is whether or not you're going to memorize this verse. And, and some of you have already got your excuse in, in mind. Well, I don't memorize very well. Oh, it's a short verse. There's no excuse. You can read it every day. The test will be next week. I will ask you, did you memorize this verse? That's your assignment. Homework assignment, Proverbs 27, 12. It says, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. The prudent see danger. Do you see the danger or are you like the simple one? And the first question, if you're looking at this little short verse that you're going to memorize this week, or you're going to decide not to and make an excuse for yourself, is that prudent people are crafty, shrewd, and sensible. Well, some of you immediately don't like that prudent people are crafty. Well, this is, this is a prudent person is a wise person who thinks about their future for their steps ahead and plans for it. Where well, the simple don't and they suffer for it. So that's your assignment. One verse. Meditate on that one verse for the new year. I'm not asking you to read the whole Bible in a year. I'm just asking you for one verse for a week. You can forget it after next week if you want to. You can decide to do that. I don't think it would be a good idea, but you can. So I'm going to end with three questions today. In the next five weeks, we're going to look at some questions that will change your life and help you to make wiser decisions. First question is this. Can you think of a decision that led to regret that could have been avoided if either you would have asked more questions or seriously considered questions someone else was asking you. Don't you hate it when somebody comes alongside of you and you're just sold on a decision and they said, well, have you considered this? And have you considered this? And have you considered this? And then you're all of a sudden mad in that person because they've ruined that decision, what you wanted to do. That's, do you have some 
some decisions like that? And number two, here's the second decision, question I want you to think about. What makes the salesperson in your head so convincing? Why do you know better but not decide better? Now, you know, all of us have bought some things at Christmas time that we've convinced ourselves that we really, really needed. Haven't we? And next month, we're going to pay for it. But we, we sold ourselves on them. We lived without them for years, but now we have them because we sold ourselves on them. Why is that salesperson in our head so powerful that we just follow along and we do what the salesperson sells us, even though we know it's not good for us? And finally, number three, it's, it's the assignment. Memorize Proverbs twenty-seven twelve. Have you, you ever seen trouble coming and kept moving in that direction anyway? You know what you were doing, and you knew it was going to lead to trouble, but you said, I don't care what it leads to. This is what I'm going to do. And it's led to consequences. It's led to destructive choices and outcomes, and it's impacted other people around us. God still loves you in those moments. God's grace is sufficient for you in those moments. And, and a lot of times we expect God to come and rescue us from those consequences, and, and he doesn't because we live with those consequences in our lives. And then we have to work through those consequences, those outcomes in a godly manner and ask forgiveness, make restitution, and make things as right as we possibly can and receive the forgiveness and confess our sin to God. That's what we do when we make bad decisions, sinful decisions, mistakes. But God redeems us because he loves us, just like we love our children and our grandchildren, and nothing can separate us from that love of God. This morning, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior of my life. I want to repent. I want to be baptized. I want to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus for the rest of my life. That's what I want to do. That would be the wisest choice you could ever make. I hope you will join us as we continue this series about wiser decisions, better life. Will you please stand as I pray? God and Father, we come to this time in, in the service where we make some decisions. We have to take some responsibility. And Father, we can react or we can respond to the Lord Jesus Christ to make him Savior and Lord. We can choose to become a disciple of His. We can take some time to confess our sins, to acknowledge our mistakes, to make restitution, to go out of this place different and better. Father, we all want to make wise decisions. We all want to have a better life. And Father, I just pray that 2022 will be a year that we respond and not react that you would be glorified in our lives, that future generations will be impacted, that, that our decisions will inspire and encourage others to follow you in a deeper way. Father, we just give you all the praise and all the glory for the work that you're doing through your Holy Spirit, through your people, 
as they proclaim the word and live their lives as examples to others. Father, we just pray all this in Jesus' name. 